Listen, me and Danny go back like Fruit Loops and Apple Jacks, man. What's wrong with you? I mean, you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta make sure the stripes are deeper than the fur. Right. <laughs> Apparently. All right, so let's get it started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Soapbox. This is my podcast where I host the people that I would like for people to meet. Luckily, we have the great expensive Zoom that will get us all connected virtually. So with me today, we have Claude Paylant, we have Mr. Francois Filsimi, and Daniel Alphonse. And we're going to be talking about business business in so many different ways. And one of the things about this story that I wanted to talk about is the business journey. Mr. Filzemi, Mr. Francois Filzemi has been all about his business in different forms of, excuse me, Mr. Filzemi has been an, an entrepreneur since I met him as a teacher. That was over 20 years ago. And he's literally the, uh, the epitome of a duck where what you see is a very calm, slow-moving thing, but you don't see the feet churning under the water, moving. This man's a mover. Claude has been inspired by Mr. Filzemi and follows in his entrepreneurial footsteps. And Daniel Alphonse is a newbie to the business movement. So let's hear what we, or excuse me, what they have to say. So let's start with the story. Claude, you're going to be the first sure. one. Let's start. Let's talk about your history. Where are you from, man? Okay, so... Um... Claude Pelant, born and raised in Haiti, um, been in this country um, for about 20 years. And uh, I met Mr. Fields, I still call him Mr. Fields, damn near 20 years ago uh, when I uh, um, at Cathedral High, uh, when I was a brand new um, ambitious student. So a little bit, I'll, I'll give the highlights and kind of uh, a little bit of the journey. Yeah, um, hey, give us the hit parade. Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> Uh, studied computer engineering at Northeastern University, um, was uh, fortunate enough to have a couple of good internships at uh, Fidelity Investments and found some good mentors there and um, got to see a lot of really cool technology um, projects get denied. And I never understood why, you know, if, it, if it's the latest technology, why those projects were being denied. You know, this guy was about to retire and he pulled me aside and told me basically at the end of the day, every, no matter how big technology will be and is, um, it's all business decisions with technology concepts and um, components to them. So I kind of took that to heart. And that year went back to Northeastern and added a business minor to my uh, degree. Um, so in every aspect, I've, looked, I've, I've used that um, throughout my career. So um, when I was after Northeastern, I went to, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in technology uh, after graduating with a computer engineering degree. Um, but I knew what I didn't want to do, right? So I went to Liberty Mutual, um, an internal risk management kind of role, evaluated technologies across um, the organization domestically and internationally. And it gave me more insights in terms of what I enjoyed doing, the internal consulting part, um, and what I didn't like doing. After spending some good um, years with that, um, I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, there's, um, you kind of get to a point where you realize you've mastered or you kind of, the, you, you, you surpassed the role. So I kind of wanted to go on the other side and became a data security engineer. So that was the, those were the times when target was being, you know, data security and customer data was being leaked and high stress, high um, pressure role. Um, did that for about three years. And then I got to a point in my career 
where I realized that most of the decisions were being made at a higher level. And I identified the gap in my skill sets and what I needed to do to be the ones, I wanted to be the one not necessarily um, doing all the work, but um, the one influencing those decisions that were being pushed down um, from senior management and, and higher management. So left that job um, and that was also my escape out of Boston. Um, used business school as a way to get out um, from the snow. Um, went to Duke, uh, spent two years there, um, focused on entrepreneurship, um, strategy and marketing, um, traveled the world and then uh, had a great internship at uh, Google um, and that kind of opened up my mind to, to the possibilities. And just for sake, um, it's exactly like you see it in the movie. Um, and I came back, I went back to finish uh, business school and I went back knowing um, for sure that I was gonna go back to the, uh, to the West Coast, no matter what the capacity was. Um, I really looked at two types of roles because I wanted to do things end to end, not just specialize. I looked at, uh, um, product management and big tech. And I also looked at uh, consulting with uh, you know, kind of uh, as post MBA and consulting didn't work out, but big tech did. So I was at uh, Cisco for um, two and a half years in a leadership product management role. Did both inbound and outbound product management. So work with engineers and designers to help uh, lever kind of leverage my security background to pick a lot, all the regulations around GDPR, personal information to kind of drive the security roadmap um, for Cisco, one of Cisco's uh, leading products. And then I went on the other side and um, help accelerate that product um, in the marketplace. And Silicon Valley broke my back. And last year, um, I, uh, in the middle of, you know, kind of everything that was happening in the world, I made this uh, constant conscious decision to um, start my own company, something I was planning on doing part-time but I made decision of launching in um, my own business. It's a uh, digital consulting and lifestyle brand um, for black culture. And uh, it's really two, three things I'm focusing on, um, helping small and medium businesses transition um, and survive COVID in, in a digital world. And then the other part is the lifestyle, um, helping tell black stories and share black stories. Um, and then uh, bringing the Haitian culture, which is where I'm from, to the West Coast in a real way, the same culture that exists in Boston, Miami, and New York. And um, you know, a few months in, um, building phase. And I'll stop there. Jesus. All right. I, I mean, you have to at least tell us the name of the business now. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's, it's I experience. It, the brand is I experience. It's I experience digital, which is going to be the consulting arm, and I experience life, which is going to be the lifestyle part of the of the business. Um, but yeah. It's uh, literally, I, I have this firm belief that human, being a human is uh, experiencing life. And I've been very fortunate as a Haitian American immigrant to have traveled the world and experienced a lot of cultures. And this is uh, me kind of, yeah, um, kind of bringing my uh, experiences and sharing my experiences with the world through, through this brand and company. That is amazing. And it's beautiful because you have so many different ways you've reconnected from what you started with your ambition to things that I'll say possibly sidetracked you. You know, you said that uh, Silicon Valley broke your back, but it was just a sidetrack. And then you went back to your ambition. And now you're at your next step. Next, Mr. Philzamy, let's treat this like a resume. Give us the one pager because you've been at this for 40 years. I'm not going to tell them how old you are, but you know, nobody's going to guess over 35. 
Right. Well, I actually started um, teaching when I was 12. So just to kind of get things moving and let people know that. Um, I know the they didn't need a license to do a lot of things back then, but wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, listen, I, I got my license out of a box of Fruit Loops. So just yeah. let you know, okay? Just to kind of give you a uh, synopsis, um, as uh, uh, Mike had said, uh, I'll give you 40 years in about <clears throat> maybe four minutes. All right? So... Pretty much um, born and raised in Boston. I wound up growing up in Upham's Corner over by Columbia Road. For those that are familiar with Boston, over by Columbia Road, across from the, um, actually nearby the uh, Strand Theater. So that's where I wound up um, growing up. Eventually uh, moved around a little bit, uh, moved to Mattapan, um, and then eventually moved to Hyde Park. Um, then out to uh, Milton and, and Roxbury, and then eventually um, back now in the um, southern part of Massachusetts now. So that's that's where I live now. You mean Rhode uh, Island? Uh, well, well <laughs> that's not Massachusetts. <laughs> but but we'll, we'll say that. We'll say that, you know. Uh, with, with that being said, just like Claude, uh, my my family is from Haiti, and so just like any other you know family from another country, always wanted to do better um, by coming to the states and then um, wanting better you know for their children um, as well. By growing up in the city, I was able to get an idea of how to more or less uh, move and shake. When I was in high school, I was always. Uh, you know, working, I've been working since I was 14. And so uh, as a matter of fact, my first job, I lied and said I was 16. So I lied on the application and I wound up working in the mall, um, downtown Boston. And if anyone knows, right, when you work in a mall, you wind up meeting a whole lot of people. I would go in the afternoons, um, go to work from school. I actually went to, um, also went to Cathedral High School. So yep. um, yeah. So I got out of school, went to the mall, and just met everybody from all over the city of Boston that attended all the different high schools, from the Madisons to the Burks to the Copley Highs to the Boston Latin, the the Tech, you know, or Boston Tech now called the O'Brien, and just a, a whole, I'd say a whole, a whole lot of individuals. With that being said, I wound up graduating and went to UMass Boston, right? So. I went to UMass Boston and wound up um, majoring in political science and then double minored in black studies and uh, communications. So while I was in my junior year, I was trying to figure out what do I wanna do? Um, I know I like talking to people. I know I liked hanging out. So I was more so extrovert, not an introvert. So eventually what I wound up doing was um, majoring in political science, as I, as I stated, right? I liked history, liked talking about it. So I wound up um, doing the whole political science route. The reason I took communications um, for obvious reasons. Um, I like music, I like <laughs> acting as well. And so I took a lot of acting and directing classes. So I think that's where some of my animation comes in from time to time. Um, when I was teaching um, school, uh, that many of you were in experiencing. Uh. Say again? 
I'm yeah, sorry. We were, we were in attendance to your show. Is that yes. what you're saying? Uh, oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> my my uh, my theatrics. You know what I mean? At a very early age, so I wound up doing that, and so at that point, I went back to school and uh, back to UMass Boston and mastered um, and got my uh, master's in education. And so that's where that all happened. Um, one of the things I want to mention too is the fact that you know while I was in school um, getting my master's, I would do that at night and be at cathedral teaching in the uh, in the morning. So I'm, what would happen? I'm so sorry about that. Oh yeah, tell me about it. Right, I didn't know I was I was getting. Well, actually, I wasn't getting any combat pay. So, um, <laughs> so what, <laughs> right. So what wound up happening was, so I would teach during the day, I would coach football in the afternoon, and then go to school at night. And then when it became basketball season, do the same thing. Right, teach during the day, coach basketball in the afternoon and go to school at night. Um, by the time that was all said and done, I, I wound up committing more pain to myself by going back to school again to Northeastern. So now I'm at Northeastern certifying, get, uh, getting my certification in administration uh, for schools. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I left Cathedral as a teacher, I wanted to go into routes of administration. So at that point, I received my certification in administration and that began my whole role as Dean of Students, Vice Principal, Principal um, of, of Schools. And then at that point, uh, I was also a career specialist and uh, I punished myself one more time going back to Tufts and getting my certification in nonprofit management and leadership. So um, with that, I started just amassing a lot of experience, meeting different people, and along the way, uh, eventually then became the board director for the oldest uh, YMCA in the country, uh, which is actually right on Huntington Ave, right yep. next to Northeastern. Yep, so, I've been yeah. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the meantime, between time, as, as you were saying, Mr. Lamarie, what I was doing was um, doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff in the meantime, between time from, you know, throwing parties and um, hosting events and also putting together and creating a, a nonprofit, which was actually still going on right now. So um, a friend of mine, actually, he created it, then asked me to get on board. So now I'm the executive director for Cornerstone Collaborative, Massachusetts. And so what we do is, um, what we're trying to do is, um, reduce the amount of, of course, poverty that's um, in our city and surrounding areas, um, along with trying to find some mechanism to um, lessen um, the poverty rate too. And, and that comes from an area of looking at resources, providing resources, um, and, uh, and as well as looking for and applying for a variety of grants um, to help us uh, find solutions for those in the city. So not only with their homelessness and, and um, poverty and reducing the crime um, of teen violence to be more specific, um, it falls under the umbrella as well in terms of health, uh, health related ideas that we have in mind to kind of get people back on track and move accordingly. So um, that's my story and uh, I'm sticking to it. And there's some 
um, little pieces uh, in the meantime, between time, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll stick my flag in the sand. Oh, don't worry. Right we here. we took a big bite out of there and we'll pick our, pick through the little things later. Sure. Um, and Danny, I'm sorry, but imagine you're the best and you're going last because you're right now a clean slate. Tell them who you are, where you stand and why you're about to be impactful. Thank you in advance for taking your time and giving me the pleasure of being here um, at the salt at the Soapbox podcast. Excuse me. And uh, my name is Daniel Alfonso. I am 22 years old, born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, just like many of you. I'm also a, a licensed financial professional dating back to November 2020 as my starting. Right now, you know, the highlight of my my career is basically this. I've only been a part of my business for six months and I learn something new every day. Um, the highlight first grasped my interest when I studied more about financial literacy. You see, as a child, I remember seeing adults around me unable to help themselves or secure a future for their families the right way. You know, uh, growing up in a predominantly Black and Latino community, everyone always thought to themselves of never being able to afford a solid financial foundation. And for me, the biggest highlight is being able to understand the struggle and helping people to open their eyes to new beginnings and to secure something long-term and promising for them and their families. One of the things that I wanted to ask between Phil's and me and Danny, and maybe it'll impress you a bit, excuse me, between Phil's and me and uh, Claude, maybe it'll impress you a bit, Danny, because both of you went to highly acclaimed schools. Did that have any effect on your decisions later on? I'll let Claude go first. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So, um... I think the way I look at it is one of the main reasons why I went to Northeastern was that it was closest to home and I didn't have to stay on campus, right? Because of the cost of education, right? The reality is education is expensive as hell. I had just moved from Haiti to Boston around that time. So I wanted to be closer to family, um, but I was always very intentional about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to get out of every decision that I've made, right? So I've, um, so I knew like, so for me, I knew education was gonna be expensive like going to college. I made the decision to study something that I was passionate about because that was around the year. Um, I, so I got to live um, Y2K and that kind of spurred my whole passion for technology um, as a tool for um, kind of advancing um, humanity and kind of what's possible. Um, so I wanted to go into, so when I went, I, I was like, I'm going to study computer engineering because, you know, according to data, <laughs> I'm going to make a lot of money when I get out of it. Right. And I'm going to yeah. be able to kind of pay back. So I was like, okay, let me go that route. Right. Um, so that was kind of like the mindset that I had looking back and looking at the journey, even my first job post uh, undergrad, I didn't use everything that I learned in school. Right. So I think mm -hmm. school is like the rite of passage, but, uh, what you find out is your first job, they're gonna train you. They're gonna give you the training and everything that you need to do the job well, right? So they look at the schooling more so of, can you start something and can you complete it? Can you, you know, they look at school as, do you have the discipline, the, the courage to start something that you said you were, you're gonna commit to and then see it all the way through? Um, it's almost like the key to passage. Now, the world that we're living in, the need and uh, the value of formal education is uh, becoming, it's, it's being put more and more into question, right? So especially in the tech space, people are looking at 
can you do the job, right? So some of the best programmers, some of the most technical people that I've seen um, and I've worked with um, didn't study anything engineering, right? So they were art majors and um, liberal arts, liberal sciences, and they just found something that they were passionate about, computer programming or whatever it is, yeah. and they went all the way in and they are the best at what they do. So I say all that to say, figure out what you like, what you enjoy doing, and then go all in on it. Do you still like computer science now? So, so for me, uh, funny story, I started in computer science. I, <laughs> I started uh, um, at Northeastern Computer Science, got into a computer science program. After the first semester, I was like, nope. And for me, I quit, right? So uh, I went to computer engineering because I was like, I need a social life. I'm not gonna be a freshman and Friday, Saturday night, I'm in, <laughs> I'm breaking my, you know, kind of head trying to figure out um, how to program, right? To, um, so I needed, <laughs> I need that, that balance. Um, you know, I wanted to go to the, the parties on Saturday nights and I wanted to kind of have that social life um, in college. Don't get me wrong, computer engineering was hard, but I realized early on that I'm, I don't enjoy coding. Like I can do it, right? But I've always enjoyed the business aspect of technology, right? Mm. So being that middleman that can take the business need, the customer need, which is why I ended up becoming a product manager, right? What is the customer? What is the human need? And how do you take that and translate it all the way to like have a, be able to have a conversation with the engineer? That's all I need to be able to have the conversation with, right? Be able to kind of let the engineer who mastered their craft do their job, right? But mm -hmm. being able to kind of have the conversation with different people at different levels, yeah. right? Whether they're like in marketing, I can talk that talk with them, whether they're in, um, you know, <laughs> finance and they want to care about the numbers, I can talk. So being able to, what I found is like, is being able to meet people where they are and being able to kind of have that conversation with them. That's when you become the most valuable. Hello, this is former President Barack Obama, the greatest president of your lifetime. I wanted to take some time out of my busy schedule of doing nothing to tell you about hyphen podcast. Now, Kellen, while he hasn't always agreed with my policies, I still like the son of a And while I can't make you vote or listen to every podcast, please listen to Hyphen Nation, the world's greatest podcast. Take it from me, I kill Ben Laden's Trust my taste in podcast. Hyphen Nation. Featuring Kellen Conley and semi-regular co-host Marcus Sean Mallet Robinson. You know, Kellen Pods, Marcus Wright. It's a better tandem than the 96 Chicago Bulls. And I know, I killed Ben Laden. And Kanye... Kanye was still jack. But, for Michelle and the girls, all love to hyphen nation and the hyphen podcast group. And keep bringing your daughter on. She's beautiful. And I know. Well, you know. And what about you, Mr. Philzami? What do you think about higher education and its place in your life? Um, first and foremost, uh, well, again, thank you uh, for asking that question. I find that, you know, uh, growing up, um, obviously, what I always heard was go to school, go to college, you know, and especially with the background of Haitian culture, you're gonna mm -hmm. be a doc doctor, engineer, doctor, lawyer, engineer, lawyer, you know what I mean? And you can uh -huh. be a bum just fixing a car. 
Right, right, right. So that, that, that was really your options, right? Doctor, lawyer, engineer. All right. I, I'm, I'm none of the three. Uh, and, uh, and I have an older sister, so she actually became uh, an engineer. So, oh, so all the weight was taken off of you. Right, right, right. Exactly. And, and she went to Northeastern as well. So she did um, civil engineering. You know what I mean? And you're right. Exactly. So, so, you know, the brains had to go somewhere. So it went to, it went to her wow. and, and, I, and, and I, you know, I, I remained on the uh, other track, which was more being out the box creative, not to say, not to say she's not creative or anything of that nature, but I had to be a little more resourceful, mm. you know what I mean? As far as where was my niche, right? Where, where, where was I going to fit within all of this? Um, now, as I get older, right, and I talk to and deal with um, young adults, I, I can now say that um, college is not for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Not to say gone are the days of the thinking of what our families thought, but you have to be open, right? Because, um, and also, uh, as Clara was mentioning, you know, you can be a computer you know, no one said anything about computer analyst or computer engineer or dealing in, you know, financials, right, um, as, as Danny's doing, um, or, or being or even being a psychologist or a psychiatrist you, or, you, you, you know what I mean? Do you know but, what I went, do you know what I went into uh, in school for? What's that? Psychology. Okay. okay. And, now, and now guess what I'm doing? Um, I'm IT. Uh, Tech, right, tech. I'm a network right. administrator. Right, right. We all really went beyond what our initial calling was, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and I'm like this. If you say, hey, I want to be a mechanic. Okay, you know what? Um, go all in, be the mechanic, um, but understand what that means and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're trying to, you know, support a family um, all depends what your situation is. If you're living by yourself, okay, this is how much it's going to be. Now, if you have, you know, you're married, you have some little ones. Now, is that going to sustain what you're doing? So you will be a mechanic. Do you want to own your own spot? Do you want to have a franchise? You know, are you thinking bigger and better um, with all of that? So uh, same thing as, you know, if you want to be a plumber or electrician or, you know, anything of, of those trades, you have to think about, okay, I have to be an apprentice. I, I believe it's like five to seven years, you know, to be just to be an apprentice. And then before you become a licensed plumber, all of those different things you can do and be successful at it. Yep. You just got, you just got to put in the time and understand what that means and what that looks like. Um, the same thing with public service, right? Being a public servant, uh, fireman, uh, policeman, EMT, you know, all of those uh, eventually uh, after X amount of years, you can retire, be good, you know, after 25, 30 years. And, and even at that, if you, you know, become a fireman at 18, you're still, you know, you get your 25, 30 years in, you're still a little under and around 40, 45 years old and create another um, opportunity for yourself. And that's the same thing with the military, right? So here's, here's a question as we're listening to this and mm -hmm. people are thinking about it and they're like, all right, I get to put in a lifetime worth of work in something. When does it switch when you, wait, wait, when I say switch, I mean, when do you go from wanting to be a part of something to wanting to build something? When for you did it switch? 
And Claude, uh, Claude, Claude has been dropping hints on how it switched for him because mm-hmm. he, he said, I want to be the connector. I don't want to be the one that's, you know, just doing this little thing. I want to be the end to end connection between that thought bubble and this process. When did, when did it change for you? I think um, it changed for me when I started becoming uh, members of um, different boards. And when you're on a board, um, a lot of times, of course, there's a lot of problem solving. There's a lot of, you know, how do we get this money? Um, There's a lot of um, what events can we do? How can we create uh, a situation where we can actually get people um, to move? get people to shift their minds, get individuals and pull resources um, from what you know and who you know in order to make things happen. So um, that's when it kind of started, you know, moving it, moving and shaking for myself. And and with the uh, amounts of individuals that I started meeting throughout my life, I was able to make those connections and bring them in and and talk to them about uh, initiatives that are happening and or um, what's what's taking place to then, right? Now that's where your skill comes in with networking and um, learning how to be uh, a people person. Mm -hmm. And, And that means with all shapes, sizes and colors. So that means you're able to have conversations with black, white, Asian, Latino, whoever it is in order to get your point across in a very uh, professional manner. That brings us from the history to the current stages of where you're at. Claude, let's get a little deeper into your business, iExperience. Can you tell us what the day-to-day at iExperience is like? Yeah, it's a lot of figuring things out. It's a lot of connecting dots. It's a lot of conversations, um, especially during a pandemic, right? you try to, um, you know, one, one of the things I, I, uh, I say is that the, the journey, the journey from the mind to the heart is the longest, but it is a beautiful journey, right? Because what got you to a lot of the places that we've been is because of the way we think and what we think about, um, in our knowledge and our, you know, kind of, uh, um, figuring things out. But when you start operating from a true place of creation, which is creating from the heart, um, it's a little different because it's not as it's 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 not as uh, it's not a straight line, right? So every day is different. Um, things happen. Things change constantly, right? So you have to always pivot. So I think pivoting is has been kind of like the nature of uh, of the situ- of, of <laughs> since I've been kind of like full time uh, entrepreneur. With every change that happens in Oakland, in California, with COVID restrictions, um, I had to pivot every step of the way, right? So my, uh, I'll give you a quick example. Um, first launch, well, the actual launch event was in uh, November, targeting about 40 people, socially distanced. We we're initially going to do a boat cruise. Um, mm-hmm. And then I kind of pivot and said, you know what? People are going to be late. Things may happen. Let's not do a boat cruise. Let's do a rooftop in Oakland. Uh, two weeks before the rooftop, um, I had an event planner that was going to work with me, agreed on everything. She ghosted me. Um, <laughs> a week and a half, I found another event planner, a friend within um, my network that I didn't know did event planning, but 
she did and she kind of helped out. Um, we went to visit the rooftop. It's a rooftop that has about 450 people capacity. So we're like 40, 50 people, it's gonna be fine. It's perfect, right in the city of Oakland. Um, it's one of the nicest rooftops that they have. The price was right, everything was right. Um, visit the place, went back, the general manager emailed me and said, sorry, because of the license that we have and the restrictions in the city of Oakland, we can only fit 15 people um, at this rooftop that holds 450 people. 15 right. people. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I tried to finesse it. Um, I was like, you know what? Maybe we can do 15 an hour. She was like, that's clever, but no. Um, <laughs> so ended up uh, finding this other place that uh, um, one of, a friend of a friend that does a lot of events in the Oakland area does. And it was a brand new um, place. And the day they launched and opened this place, it's a black owned place. Um, was the same day that uh, uh, the governor shut down the state. So decided to call the event Launchpad. I was like, it's gonna be a Launchpad for me. It's gonna be your relaunch. It's gonna be a safe space for anybody that started in building something or survived something during, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, it was the day after Thanksgiving. Well, not Thanksgiving, it was the day after um, Halloween, guy got guy basically the general manager got either drunk or on whatever he was and didn't show up on the day of the event right um wow. so the gate is closed we're outside um i have about 30 people um basically hanging out with me the caterer is there dj is there photographer is there and he's pretty much giving me the run around so um there's a park probably about 10 minute walk from there after about, basically he had me waiting for about an hour and a half. After about an hour and a half, realized that he wasn't gonna show up. Um, we basically pivot, took everybody with me to the park. We had the food, basically ran, got some, uh, I had the drinks from the brand that I'm working with, which is uh, Rum Bubba and Cool, Famous Asian um, Rum, um, that we were gonna do a special cocktail. Um, so I basically, you know, ran, got some cups, got some ice, got some chasers, and we turned it into a picnic. Mm -hmm. um, and towards the end, give a 10 minute speech. And that's basically how we launch, right? So I say all that to say, it's a startup. Everything that you expect from timing to, ex you know, kind of planning, especially when you add it in the backdrop of a pandemic is not gonna go as expected. Um, so you have to be okay with navigating the unknown. And, um, you know, it's, uh, navigating the unknown is, is scary. It's, uh, it's not useful, but, I have this firm belief that literally life is all about expanding your perspective and, and sharing it. Um, and uh, there's no better way to do that um, by uh, building a company and startup and, and stretching your perspective. Mm. And going through all of that has stretched more than your perspective. It's gotta have stretched your nerve. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Cause that's two or three GMs that have just, basically ditched you i'm disappointed but the beauty of it is um i have uh, so so two weeks before we had uh, a soft launch event and uh, that went perfectly right and then the launch was different and now i'm in a process of planning a haitian flag day brunch event which is coming up in may um and we're going back to the venue that uh that we had our first launch and kind Are of you? working on the logistics are you gonna have the the picnic place or the roof? Oh, that, it's a it's a it's a rooftop. It's a different rooftop. Right? Oh, it's a different. Yeah, yeah, the picnic place was the, the was what we had to do 
um, given the circumstances, right? Of mm -hmm. the, right? But um, yeah, the picnic is, the, you know, it's not going to be a, a recurring thing. It's <laughs> the rooftop, know. right? If, if it well, worked out the first time, <laughs> let's see if thunder can strike twice. Or like right, 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 right. But then, I mean, the, the, the thing is when you're, especially in the lifestyle kind of arena, the lessons is make sure you have everything on paper because that's key. Double check, triple check, quadruple check, especially when it's COVID, right? Um, because things are always changing. Restrictions are always changing. But yeah, you, you learn from uh, every one of these situations and every mm -hmm. one of these experiences because that's, that's the nature of life, right? You start something, um, and then you, uh, you, you see it through and then you, you learn from it. Right. Um, that's the part that, uh, that's the most, that's been most useful in the constant throughout my, uh, my journey is the doing the reflection work of saying, what did I learn from that experience? Right. Because, um, you know, there's a lesson in everything and it's kind of like that whole saying of failing fast because that's how you, uh, you get to the next level. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but this is your favorite producer, Mike. Just gotta tell you, you know all of this music that you've been listening to? It's by Kuma the Grizz. Go check out his music. It's on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music, and you can get it now. Go listen to it. We now return you to your favorite podcast, In Session. But, but either way, the West Coast has been treating you right. Yeah, the, the West Coast is different. It's very different. It's, uh, it's I a need a reason to visit. Sell it to me. Yeah, so it's a different mindset. The way I look at it is the East Coast is mostly, at a macro level, at a high 30,000-foot level, mostly operates from a place of survival, um, survival mindset, and it's old money. Right. Mm, yep. So when you look at it, that's why Wall Street is in the East Coast. When you look at it, it's as an entrepreneur, you have to prove that everything cross the dotnities and prove everything before you even start. Right. And a good example of that is if you ask someone from the East Coast, what do they do? They'll give you a history of everything they've done versus the West Coast is a little different. The mindset is more creation mindset. People talk of what they want to do before they even create it. Right. Um, and that's why Hollywood, it's more like a, the visionary mindset. That's why Steve Jobs did so well here. Mm. Um, it's the, that's why Hollywood is in the West coast, right? Um, it's, it's all about creation. So create it and then they'll come. And that's where there's a lot of new money because it's not so much, you know, what's mine is mine. Um, it's more of a collaboration creation. Um, kind of mentality. It's very different from that perspective. And the way people operate is also different. I remember in the East Coast, if you say hi to somebody, it's like, bro, <laughs> do I know you? Why? Like, do I owe you money? What's going on? Right. Versus the West Coast. It's like if a lot of the places, except for LA, which is its own little thing. Um, it, you know, people are inviting, people are welcoming, even in the wet, in the South, people are super inviting and welcoming, um, mm -hmm. which are different kind of uh, perspective. But one thing I'll say is that at the end of the day, it's all about exposure. I firmly believe like life is all about exposure. Exposure is everything. You'll the more you see, the more you can kind of compare it in relative to where you where you, where you call home, and then you'll appreciate things a little bit more, and you'll operate more from a place of gratitude. Mm. And Mr. Philzami, 
What are you currently up to? <laughs> what am I up to? Um, so uh, as I was mentioning before, I am into the Cornerstone Collaborative where we're constantly um, looking at a variety of ways where we can continue to, you know, reduce the amount of um, poverty, violence, you know, especially uh, within teens and um, look into that whole uh, homeless piece, right? Uh, from time to time, I'm sure when, when you're at home or you're on your way home, um, anybody that's on this uh, podcast right now, especially on those cold nights, I'm sure you can imagine um, the individuals that do not have homes and are in certain circumstances and um, individuals who are at a, a very low um, rate in terms of um, what they bring into the home, right? Um, I was looking at one school the other day and their yearly that they bring in as a family is $36,000, right? $36,000. That, that's- I'm sorry, wait, is that two adults? Correct, correct. You know what I mean? And so you, you, you mean to tell me how, how can one, right? How can one or two people, you know, support, you know, a whole family where you're talking about sometimes two or three children, you're talking about rent, talking about food, right? Heat, gas, all of that. Um, and so we're trying to find some way, shape or form to be those um, change agents, right? Within the community in order we can pivot and, and, and put a dent and, and what's happening. I know everything is circumstantial and situational, right? Some people may be um, homeless because they got gambling issues or drug issues or what have you. But what about those that like genuinely, um, you know, can't find a job or genuinely can't, you know, get their foot in the door, right? So in essence, what we try to do too is create that space where you can have that, you know, resume writing, uh, workshops, dress for success, time management, um, learning how to, um, you know, tie a tie or, you know, Windsor, uh, bow ties. I know uh, Claude's well into bow ties. Got to do the double Windsor for me, but yeah, yeah. Simple Windsor? No. Right. No, no. I like I, I like the double Windsor with a nice thick look to it. Exactly. You know what I mean? You got a thick neck, you got to do right, a double right. Windsor. Can't right. do exactly. Can't, can't do no skinny ties. You can't do oh, you it. Still do those? Three you still in do hand those? anymore. Oh, God. <laughs> Once your shirt stops being bought in a small, medium, or large, right. you should learn to do a double Windsor. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, within that, Oh, uh, you know, I just realized how how horrible that sounds, but you know, we're gonna have to leave that. <laughs>